Maybe there's a button push. We good? All right. Now we're good. We um, got to, to jump into what we're excited about, a new series to start off the new year here. And uh, Stephen did a great job. I'm always thankful um, for the amazing uh, job that he does and Taylor and whoever else is filling in while I'm gone. But um, I got to go back and listen to that, which was great and I enjoyed. I know he shared a little bit of uh, how we got to this point, that this is something that came up at our staff retreat here uh, two or three months ago. And as we were just dreaming about and praying about this coming year, that's one of the things that came to mind is this this idea of what if, you know, asking some really powerful, really important questions. What would happen if we started taking some steps forward in our faith? And we got excited about it, and we thought, well, this doesn't just need to stay with us. This is something we need to share with the church body, and so uh, we've begun to do that. Um, and my prayer is that this is something that will really catch fire, because I believe that this could be a, a transformational type of thing for us if we really start asking the right questions, and more importantly, if we do something about it. You know, it's one thing to ask the question, it's another thing to actually take a step forward in faith, but that's, that's the, the direction that we uh, are going to go. And let me tell you why it's exciting for me. It's exciting because I want to see uh, what God will do in your life, and it's because of what I want for you in this coming year. Yeah, I want to see you living in such a way that you're experiencing all the blessing of God in your life and that God is working through you. And, you know, it's really more about what I want for you than what I want from you. I think a lot of times it may come across as, you know, we're always asking people to, you know, serve more and, and give more and connect more and all these types of things. And it could feel like, hey, this is what we want from you. This is really more about what we want for you. Because what we know is that you're going to experience God's blessing in unique ways. And you are going to fulfill God's purpose in your life as you begin to live these things out. And there's no better place to be than that. Um, you know, I could think of a lot of different examples and a lot of different pictures of what I mean. But let me give you one that comes to the surface that I see so frequently and why it's so important for us to go all in in our faith, which is what we're talking about. And it's the example of marriage. Um, not everybody in here, of course, is, is married. Many of you are, but it's a, it's a picture. Marriage is intended to be a picture of the gospel. It's a picture of the relationship between Christ and his church, and that's what marriage should reflect. Um, what I have seen in a lot of years of ministry is this. Number one, marriage is not easy. I think everybody who is married would agree to that. But number two, I don't know that I've ever seen a marriage that is really struggling when the spiritual priorities of both spouses are moving uh, at, a, at a fast pace toward God at the same time. Uh, not to say you won't ever have problems, but I can tell you that when we really go all in, it, it changes the dynamic of that relationship. And it really does begin to um, enable a couple to experience what God intended. See, that again, it's what I want for you. I want you to want to be with your spouse. You know, this isn't a chore that we have to put up with that person. You know, God has given you him or her, if you're married, as a blessing from him. It's a gift from God. It's one of the great side of our salvation. It's really the greatest gift God has ever given us. So we want to experience that to its fullest. 
But if we're not all in in our relationship with God, it's going to impact our ability to grow closer as a couple. Uh, let me just put up a, a graphic here. Y'all seen this before, most likely. If you haven't, uh, it's, a, it's a powerful illustration. But it's just one that is so simple and yet so clear. You know, if you picture a triangle with a husband and a wife at the bottom and God at the top, you know, the closer you move toward God as a couple, the closer you move toward one another. I mean, it's just as simple as that. If one spouse is all the way at the top of the triangle and the other spouse is still down at the bottom, there's still not closeness between the couple, is there? One of them may be pursuing God like he or she should, but as far as experience closeness in that marriage, that happens only as you move together. And of course, there are are other factors and there are other things, learning to communicate and resolve conflict and all those things. They're an important part of a marriage. But the foundation to it is, if you're all in in your relationship with God, then you're moving the right direction. So that's just one example of one of those. And one of my dreams for our church is that we would be a church filled with married couples that just you know, are experiencing God's blessing on their marriage and that are truly depicting to the world what the gospel message really is. And, and there's great enjoyment, there's great fulfillment that comes from that. Uh, but that's not something, as we said, that, that just happens. And by the way, uh, just a quick little word, and I'll move on from this. Those of you that are married, um, if you're, you'll see a little video announcement at the end of the service today for our re-engage ministry. And Kevin and Sarah can tell you more about that if you want to know more about it. But uh, that starts Tuesday. And so if that's something that you're thinking about doing, sign up today. Like we need to get on that one pretty quickly because you need to be in from the beginning and then work your way through. Um, so you'll, you'll see more about that toward the end. But that's something that as a church we're just excited about and passionate about. But it's one example of why we can say that we want you to be all in, not because we want something from you, but because we want something for you. Because we want you to be able to experience God's full blessing in your life, whether it be in that area of your life or another area. It doesn't matter if you're a single person, if you're a teenager. When we go all in, we do experience God's blessing in our lives. And so today we're going to look at an example of somebody that went all in. And it's a guy by the name of Josiah from the Old Testament. Josiah uh, became king... When he was eight years old, which just kind of sounds weird to us and the way we think today, right? An eight-year-old becoming king. But of course, the way it worked back then was that the next male heir became king at whatever point the, the current king died. And so Josiah had a grandfather by the name of Manasseh, and he, he was king for 55 years. And then Manasseh's son was a guy by the name of Ammon. Amon became king after Manasseh died, but he was only king for two years. He died at a very young age, and as a result, Josiah, who was the next one in line, was only eight years old. And so he becomes king. Now, practically speaking, there you know, are others involved in the process of helping uh, when you're eight years old, but still, he's king at the age of eight. But here's what was different about Josiah. Both Manasseh and Amon were very wicked kings. They rebelled against God and they took the people down this path that was very far away from God's design for them. But God gave Josiah a heart, a heart for himself. Even from a very young age, as a very young man, he had a heart for God. And 16 years into Josiah's reign, 
he decided to do some work to repair the temple. And so they took up an offering and the people gave generously. They followed, which is a whole other sermon there. But when your leader has a heart for God, the people tend to follow along as well. And so they did finally have a king with a heart for God. And so they got on board and they began this, this project of renovating in the temple. And as they were doing so, they came across the book of the law that just amazingly and tragically had been lost for all these years. And so the people really had no idea uh, what God's intent for them was. And so when Josiah, there's a guy by the name of Hilkiah, who was the high priest, he discovered this. He comes to Josiah. He says, we found the book of the law. And Josiah's response is, we need to hear this. They read it to him. He went to a prophetess and said, what do we do? This prophetess said, God's going to bring judgment upon the people, because you have not been following the law that he gave you. But, Josiah, because you have such a tender heart, this isn't going to happen until after your lifetime. So that's basically chapter 22. But Josiah still has a heart for his people. And he wants to see if they will turn their their hearts back toward God, perhaps God will uh, do some great things there. And that's where we pick it up in 2 Kings chapter 23. Then the king called together all the elders of Judah and Jerusalem. He went up to the temple of the Lord with the people of Judah, the inhabitants of Jerusalem, the priests and the prophets, all the people from the least to the greatest. He read in their hearing all the words of the book of the covenant, which had been found in the temple of the Lord. The king stood by the pillar and renewed the covenant in the presence of the Lord to follow the Lord and keep his commands, statutes, and decrees with all of his heart and his soul thus confirming the words of the covenant written in this book. Then all the people pledged themselves to the covenant. Love this little description here in verse 3, when it says the king stood by the pillar, renewed this, and it says to follow the Lord and keep his commands, statutes, and decrees with all of his heart and soul. Here's another way of saying that is that Josiah was all in. And he was leading the people to be all in, all your heart, all your soul. I mean, just completely committed to the Lord, which was a total turnaround from the way things had been. So here's the question for today. What if every single one of us was completely committed to the Lord with all of our heart and soul? I mean, stop and think about that for a minute. Just, just the number of us in this room right now. What if every one of us in this room were completely committed with all of our heart and soul to the Lord? How would that transform our lives individually? What kind of blessing from God would we experience individually? How would that transform our church? How would that transform our community, potentially our nation, our world? I mean, what would happen if even just a small group of God's people said, we are in heart and soul, we're we're 100% on board and in with all that we have? You know, the challenge... That, that they faced at that day, at that time, I think, was that they viewed God as just one more thing to add to what they currently did. You know, they, they had a long history of poor leadership, of not following God's design and not following God's law. They didn't even know what God's law was. But they still did have the temple. They still had a high priest. They still went through the motions of doing some religious things, but they viewed that as just kind of one more thing to add on to everything else, right? We got a little bit of pagan influence, and we got a little bit of worldly influence, and oh yeah, we better put a little bit of God in there as well. And I just thought, man, isn't that a picture 
of what our culture looks like today. There are so many in our culture that want to add just a little Jesus to everything else. It's kind of like getting a plate full of food at the holidays. I don't know if you have the same problem I do at Thanksgiving, at Christmas. The plate's never big enough for all the good stuff I want to get on it, right? Because there's so many different options and so many different things. And so what always inevitably what ends up happening is the plate gets full. But I'm thinking, man, I don't know what to do with, you know, I want some more of this. I want some more of that. What am I going to do with it? So here's what I normally do. I get just a little dab of it and I put it on the corner somewhere so I can get a little taste of it, right? So I'm getting a little bit of everything. Isn't that how a lot of us view our relationship with Christ? A lot of people in our culture view it. It's like, you know, my plate's already full. I've got the main stuff in my life happening, but I think I'll put just a little, I get a little taste of Jesus in there too, you know. Just put a little bit of that in there because I don't want to leave him out. It's not the main course. It's not the thing I'm most interested in, but I want a little bit of it. I think that's where they were at this time was, you know, they, they had a little bit of God in their culture, but they certainly weren't all in. I had the opportunity recently um, to go to a wedding for a young couple, and I was talking with a pastor who was performing this ceremony. And I asked him a question. I said, I'm just curious, you know, where are they at? He'd done some, some counsel with them on the front. I said, where are they at spiritually? And his answer was, he said, I think they're where a lot of young couples are today. You know, they, I think they have a foundation of, of faith in Christ. It's just really not the priority for them right now. I thought, isn't, isn't that the truth? And it's not just young couples. That's a lot of people today. It's like, you know, there's, there's something there. There's some type of foundation. There's some type of belief. But it's just not the most important thing. We're not all in. But we need to go all in. What if that changed? What if that changed in our lives if we're not all in to say, you know, I... I I really want to go all in as Josiah did here. and Don't you think that would be a good decision for us to make? See, I contend that, that if we do that, um, we will discover what life is intended to be. We'll discover purpose. We'll discover meaning. We'll discover a relationship with God that is unlike anything that we've had in the past if we've just kind of been half-heartedly following along. So how do we know if we're all in? Let's back to this passage here. I want to point out two things today that are indicators that we really have uh, just totally gone all in. And the first one is that we receive God's word. That's, that's one of the things that Josiah did. When they found, and I, when, I'm, when I'm talking about God's word, I'm talking about, you know, we have the full record of God's word. At that day, at that time, they had the, the law. So when they discovered God's word, when they discovered this law, the king's response was, we need to hear what God has to say. So first he listened for himself. And then at the beginning of chapter 23, what does he do? He calls everybody together. And I believe it says the least of them to the greatest. You know, all the people. Nobody is exempt. We're going to all come together and everybody is going to hear what God has to say. And they, they responded. And, the, and this was at the king's leadership there that they are responding to the Word of God. They're receiving the Word. Which, by the way, one of the ways that we can tell if we're really receiving the Word is when we want to pass it on to other people. Like the king did. He's like, hey, this is good stuff. Let's call all the people together and let's get them together. And so when we are really hearing from God, 
One way that we'll know we're hearing from God is, man, I want to tell people, I want to share this, and, and, and let other people experience this as well. So uh, Josiah did that. He had a tender heart toward God. Uh, you know, when he heard this, it says in chapter 22 that he tore his robe. It was a sign of a repentant heart. You know, he could have very easily excused his sin. He could have said, well, that's my father and grandfather's problem. You know, it's not my fault. He could have tried to sweep it under the rug. He could have tried to say, well, I'll deal with that later. But he didn't. He dealt with the sin head on and and received what God had to say. You know, the, the troubling part about all of this, as we said a moment ago, is that they did have a temple and they did have a high priest. And I just asked myself, what were they doing? What was taking place if they didn't know the law? They weren't following the law. They certainly weren't hearing from God. But then again, I think, but doesn't that continue to happen today sometimes as well? You know, you can gather together in a church and yet still not hear from God. Still not, even if we do hear from it, still not really hear it in the sense that that, that the word settles in our hearts and it moves us to action, that we're truly receiving the word of God. One of the, the, the important things, and you guys know this, because as Sean said a moment ago, this is, this is mostly folks that you know, are, are part of the Gateway family already and fairly plugged in. Um, you guys know this already, but it is just vitally important in a church setting that, that we feed on the Word of God. You know, that that is our priority and our fuel and what we do when we come together, because you can come together even in church, and it's all about, you know, how can we pump you up and you know, get you energized and inspired and sing some great songs together and all that. that that's, that's not why we come together. We come together to meet with God and to hear from God and then to do something with what we hear. And, you know, going all in, it's not about going to church. As important as that is, as important as it is for us to come together, that's not how we judge if we're all in. I'm going to tell you right now, you can be in church every single week and be as far away from God as, as you could possibly be. It's not about going to church. It's about having a relationship with God. Now, if we're getting out of going to church what we should, it should be fueling our relationship with God, and so it should be drawing us closer to God, but but that's not an automatic thing. You can go through the motions. I think the people are going through the motions of doing a lot of stuff, and we see that in the Old Testament over and over again, where they're just doing things but not really seeing any any transformation. So the what-if question when it comes to us receiving the word of God, this is one of them that I wrote down in my journal this week, just kind of as I was praying through and considering what are those questions for me moving into the new year? One of the questions I wrote down was this, what if I feasted on God's word like it was a gourmet meal after living on breadcrumbs? I mean, what what if every day when I open God's word, that's that's how I, I approach it with that type of Hunger and passion is like I'm finally getting a gourmet meal when I haven't been very well fed. What if we approached God like that? That, That's the way Josiah responded because he hadn't had a meal in forever. I mean, it had been decades since the people had heard from God. And so when they finally heard from God, they were so hungry for it, they, they couldn't get enough. What if we continued to have that level of hunger in our relationship with God? And what if we responded when we heard the word of God? What if we responded the way with the type of humility and the type of of faith and repentance that Josiah did? Because when he found out that the people were out of alignment with God, that he did something about it, right? He called them together, and and, and we'll see. We're not going to read verses 4 and following together. I'll point out some of the highlights. But he put things into action 
to correct what had been wrong. So again, my question for you there, how do you respond when God's word tells you that you're out of alignment? You can make excuses. You can deny. Frankly, what some people do is they know they're out of alignment with God, but they just say, this is just how it's going to be. You know what, maybe if they're in an immoral relationship and they just say, I don't care what God says, this is what I'm going to do. It may be that they're prioritizing uh, children or kids' activities or other things above even relationship with God, but it's like, but this is what I'm going to do. Or it's, I don't want to give my time, my talent, my treasure to God. I don't care what God says. This is what I'm going to prioritize. I mean, sometimes that's what we do, if we're honest, is just say, yeah, I know what God says, but this is what I'm going to do. But those that, that are all in are those that when they hear God's word, they, they, they have a change of heart and they're like, man, I'll, I'll do whatever I need to do in order to make things right. And that's what Josiah did. And that's really the rest of what we see uh, in this chapter. And so the second thing I want to point out to you, one, is that we receive the word of God. But the second thing is what happens after we do that. And that is that we take radical steps of faith. And I would emphasize that word radical there. Radical steps of faith. I, I want to encourage you, before the day ends today, before your head hits the pillow tonight, go back and read the rest of 2 Kings 23. Okay, Start in verse 4. It's not, not that long. Just read the rest of the chapter. What you'll discover in the rest of the chapter is that there were some radical things that the king did in order to make things right. Let me just give you a few bullet points of some of the stuff that happened. They removed the temple from the temple, the articles uh, that were for other gods. And then they burned them outside of Jerusalem. They got rid of the pagan priests. They tore down the quarters of the male prostitutes that were in the temple. They desecrated the places of foreign worship, including the place where people sacrificed their children to this god named Moloch. They removed the horses and burned the chariots that were dedicated to the worship of the sun. They tore down pagan altars. Uh, they, they again did the same thing in Samaria. And they even slaughtered their priests and desecrated the altars with human bones. This is radical stuff that they were doing as a result of hearing what God said, realizing that they were out of alignment and saying, we're going to do whatever it takes in order to to go all in. And I'm going to tell you right now, guys, in our lives, sometimes it takes radical steps of faith. Sometimes we just need to say, I've been going this direction, and it's not a matter of, you know, I'm just going to start Sometimes we just need to say, there's something radical that needs to happen in my life. Something needs to change. Something needs to be cut out of my life. Something needs to be added into my life, whatever it is. But I'm going to do whatever I need to do. And Josiah did it. I mean, he took some radical steps uh, because his heart was soft toward God. Now, one of the things I want to be clear about is this, that it wasn't the steps of faith. It wasn't the things that he did that made him right in God's eyes. It was the faith that he possessed that led to him doing the right things. Does that make sense? It's not that we got to get things right and then God will be pleased. It's that we get our heart right. And once we get our heart in the right place, then the right actions are going to follow. 2 Corinthians 7.1 says it like this. This is the Apostle Paul speaking through, of course, the Holy Spirit's inspiration. And he says, therefore, since we have these promises, dear friends, let us purify ourselves from everything that contaminates body and spirit, perfecting holiness out of reverence for God. See, since we have these promises, since we have faith in God, since we have heard from God, 
then the response to that is we want to purify ourselves. The response is that we want to perfect holiness out of reverence for God, not in an effort to earn God's favor, but because we revere God, because we love God, because we've heard from God, then we want to respond. And and that's the way it works for us. We only take radical steps of faith when our heart gets convicted and when when we realize that there's something that needs to change and we take steps in order to do that. So it's not just you know, mixing a little Jesus with all the other stuff. It's getting rid of those things that need to be gotten rid of, and, and he did that in some pretty radical ways. You know, you and I don't get to choose which parts of God's word we're going to obey. We, we don't get to pick and choose and say, I'm comfortable with this and I'm not comfortable with that. Um, sometimes things aren't going to be easy. And, and to take things and, and, uh, and, and, you know, not just get rid of them, and, but burn them and spread the ashes and all. I mean, that, that's, that's going a long way. And the reason that it takes such radical steps is because our sin gets so deeply rooted inside of us. In about, um, I don't know, a couple of months maybe, most of us are going to have a similar problem. And that is that if we have a yard... There are going to be some ugly weeds that start poking themselves up through the grass and, and just, you know, if, if they're not treated properly, these weeds can take over an entire yard. Have you ever dug up one of those weeds and gotten to the very bottom of, you know, where, where the roots are? I mean, it looks something like this. We have a picture here. You ever, you ever seen something like that where I've literally looked at them and thought the root is longer than the entire rest of the weed? You know what I'm talking about? Those roots go down so deep. What happens if you mow your weeds? Some of you are like, oh, that's what I do. Am I not supposed to? <laughs> It'll look better for a couple days. And then what happens? They just come right back. And I'm convinced that they actually come back stronger and more healthy than they did the first time, right? How do you get rid of weeds? You have to kill the roots or get rid of the roots somehow. And it's very difficult to just dig them out that way. Sometimes it's just killing. You have to go deep. That's my point. If we want to get things out of our lives, we can't just mow over it. You know, we can't just kind of deal with it on a surface level. Because if we just deal with it on a surface level, the roots are still in there. It's just going to pop back up and, and come back bigger and stronger the next time around. And so that's why we have to take radical steps of faith and really get down to... Uh, what the root of the issue is. Now, I'm sure saying that, it, it, it kind of sounds scary, right? I mean, that, that sounds like a big risk to take. It sounds like something very costly. Let me pass on something that I read this week from John Piper, uh, just a simple little quote that I thought was really powerful. He said, disobedience is always a greater risk than obedience. That's true. As risky as it may feel, to take some of these radical steps of faith. I'll tell you right now, disobedience is always a greater risk than obedience. That's going circling back to where we started. That's why this is so important to me. That's why I want to see in my own life and in your life, I want to see us go all in. It's because when we don't, there are significant consequences. What happens when we don't go all in? I've seen that. I've seen the impact it has on marriages. I've seen the impact it has on relationships. I've seen the impact it has on just individuals being able to 
experience what God intends in their life. I've seen the impact it has on financial health, physical health. I mean, when we are out of alignment with God, it impacts a whole lot of different areas of our lives. And so rather than asking, what's the cost if I go all in, maybe what we should be asking is, what's the cost if I don't? What if I just continue to coast along? What's that going to cost? It's time to go all in. You know, you never see a warrior get ready for battle on his tiptoes. You know? I mean, stop and think about that. If you're preparing to be attacked, you're going to, you know, you're going to get ready to fight like this. You don't fight like this, right? It doesn't work because you're totally out of balance. You can't tiptoe into something when you're ready to really engage in battle. We, we, we just got to go all in. There's no tiptoeing around this. There's no just, you know, a little bit. It's like either we're in or we're not. And my encouragement to you today is to be all in. Let me leave you with verse 25, just an encouraging verse. Listen to what was said about Josiah at the end, toward the end of this chapter. It says, Neither before nor after Josiah was there a king like him who turned to the Lord as he did with all his heart and with all his soul and with all his strength in accordance with all the law of Moses. My goodness, wouldn't that be an amazing thing to have said about us? That we just were all in, all of our heart, our soul, our strength, that we gave everything we have. Why not? Why not? What's holding you back from saying, God, I'm all in? Let's pray. Lord, today um, we know the, the significance of the topic and what we're dealing with, uh, Lord, that we desperately, we really do need to go all in like Josiah did. And Lord, you know our situation, you know where we are, you know the things in our lives that are keeping us from that, and I pray that you would bring conviction, and Lord, that you would give strength for us to take steps of faith, Lord, especially when they are radical steps of faith that are going to be very uncomfortable for a period of time. Um, But God, help us to trust you, even through those difficult things. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.